When you think of the priesthood, you usually don't think of business and entrepreneurship. Father Nicky Santos of the Society of Jesus bridges the gap between business and enacting social change to help the impoverished with his work on the integrative justice model and call for social activism to be incorporated into business school curriculum. Father Nicky is a Jesuit priest from India and got his MBA and PhD from Marquette University before joining the faculty in the business school's marketing department. Well, I think uh, the, the focus on social entrepreneurship is on social benefit and social outcomes. And that's what, that, that, that's what excites me about, uh, you know, that you're looking at the common good and uh, today we are hearing more and more about the need to, you know, to be attentive to the common good, including nature. So I think uh, social entrepreneurship aligns well with the common good, with being concerned about more than just yourself. I am Zach Wirsham, and this is Simply Radical. I just want to thank you first for sitting down with me and talking to me about whatever the conversation leads to. Um, and one question that I, I'm very interested in is when you were a child, what most captured your curiosity? Take this question however you will. When I was, when I was a child? Yes. Is it? Mm -hmm. Well, it was, just, it was just the, I think, the sheer joy of exploring. Um, I still remember as a maybe two or three year old, you know, uh, really? being fascinated with trying to, um, you know, today we, uh, the kids have video games and stuff like that, but we mm -hmm. didn't have video games. We would create our own kind of, you know, uh, games to occupy us, which included being creative, uh, making trains from matchboxes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, doing all sorts of crazy stuff, inventing our own games. Uh, but it was always it, it was always fascinating to, you know, the creative the creative dimension that all of us have as as human beings. And, and uh, that was something that always fascinated me. Okay. And do you see do you see that creativity that you had when you were a child still alive in you today in your work? And can you see it in the past? It seems to me, especially through your focus in marketing. And how creative that field can be. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's what also got me to switch from accounting to marketing because my background was accounting. I've worked mm -hmm. for many, many years in accounting. And <laughs> even before I joined the Jesuits, uh, I worked in accounting. Really? Yeah. Start, <laughs> starting, starting with, uh, at that time, manual accounting, which is more tedious. So you have to have all these ledgers and books. So you write, you know, by hand. Mm -hmm. All the entries and the double entry where you make one small mistake and everything, mm -hmm. your balance sheet doesn't tally at the end. Mm -hmm. um, your trial balance. Yeah, so uh, I, th I think, I think uh, that uh, this thing of creativity is still there because it's still, um, even, in, even in writing articles or things like that, uh, that's the dimension you constantly bring, right? That creative dimension. Mm -hmm. And I think creativity is so important whether you actively use it in your profession or not. Right. I mean, you know, if you, you, you may not believe this, but uh, when I was in school, like uh, maybe also, like even in 
my early high school, I would, have, I, would, I would dream of these things, which today are becoming a reality. Like, I, I dreamt of, uh, of the whole, like, you know, the interconnectedness of uh, this thing, even, you know, with having everything like you could with uh, some kind of uh, this thing, control all the gadgets in your, in your house and stuff like that. Well, these were, you know, people are, it's coming out now, but, but they were, those, were, those were part of my creative, you know, imagination dreams, even when I was growing up, including, including having, like, you know, battery, power, uh, even these big batteries in, uh, in cars. This was before uh, the whole thing of uh, battery-operated cars came out. Mm-hmm. Now, so, but, it's, but it's fascinating to see some of these things which, like, you know, which were in my dreams, um, becoming a reality today as engineers and uh, this thing, you know, they actually do these things. Wow. <laughs> For me, those were just kind of like, you know, it was <coughs> this creative imagination. So you uh, never and thought... fantasy, fantasy dreams. So you never thought that those things would become a reality? Is I, what would, you're saying? I, I, th- I thought there was potential. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, because... They, they were very real dreams for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because I used to actually dream of, um, you know, of uh, making them a reality. I, I never did, but someone else did. But that's, the, you know, that the fact that you can still dream dreams um, that are not totally utopian, but have mm-hmm. some, uh, this thing is still uh, fascinating. Now, it seems to me that dreams and creativity has been a big part of your life whether it's in childhood or accounting. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to dream in accounting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, what, what kind of dreams do you have today? Well, you know, again, dreams for a better world, um, especially, you know, when you look at all that's happening right now around the world and you see the violence, um, yeah, I still dream, you know, that I think we have the we have the potential for peace. We have the potential for, uh, you know, everybody living a better life. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it just it just starts with you know little little seeds of hope. Uh, so what you're doing right now is also kind of like that little seed, you know. Spreads spreads hope. It spreads love. It spreads a message of uh, optimism rather than despair. And these little seeds add up, you know. So, mm-hmm. so that's my dream. I, I think uh, we are capable of a much better world than the one we have right now. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And I think this point goes goes well with this quote. I, it's a quote by Mahatma Gandhi. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. That Poverty is the worst form of violence, and you were talking about violence in the world. And I know that you do a lot of work with social entrepreneurship and, mm-hmm. and marketing and, and poverty, especially being with the Jesuits. One of, your, one of your vows that you take is poverty. So I was just wondering if you could share, what, what do you think when, what do you think of this? Poverty is the worst form of violence. Yeah, and, 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 and the poverty that... Uh... Mahatma Gandhi is talking about is real poverty, you know. Uh, it's the poverty that denies people um, food to eat, nutrition, basic health care, education. And, you know, almost half of the world really kind of lives in that poverty, which is 
a real, a real indication of structural injustice that uh, such a large majority of the people are in the world today with all the resources that we have, you know, don't have basic kind of necessities. Um, so, yeah, so I was just in, I was just, I just came back from Kenya uh, two days ago and, uh, you know, visited the Kibera slum over there and, you know, the, and the, the way people live and the whole, the whole condition of that slum is so deplorable that you think, you know, why, you know, how can people live in these conditions? Can you talk so, more about your experience in Kenya? Yeah, so this was uh, a meeting of the International Association of Jazz Business Schools. So our dean from the business school was here as well, uh, you know, for the conference. Um, and these were so deans and some faculty from around around the world. Um, but we got we got a chance to go and visit some of the some of the works, and so that's how I you know I visited the the Kibera slum, uh, which is the largest slum in Kenya, in Nairobi. Uh, and so it's, you know, the, the conditions of people living over there is, is terrible. You know, many of them would probably not have uh, access to healthcare or to, and then you have, over there you also have the instances of HIV, which is also prevalent. So, yeah, so you look at some of these things and you kind of, you know, you, kind of feel that, that you know, that something has to be done. And, and, and that's where social, social un, uh, you know, entrepreneurship uh, does offer some hope because social entrepreneurs look at some of these things and say, you know, what do we do? What do we do about this? How do we change the situation? Mm -hmm. um, so with social entrepreneurship, it doesn't just come into your head without something bringing it to you. What, what brought this, this fire, this passion for social entrepreneurship to fight poverty and business? Yeah, so uh, for me it was more, uh, you know, the, the potential of business to address some of the issues of poverty. And my PhD work was developing this normative ethical framework for, uh, you know, doing business with uh, low-income populations, but in a way that was fair and just, that resulted in a win-win for the businesses as well as the low-income populations. It was called the integrated justice model. But uh, I, I grew more, more aware of social entrepreneurship when I was at Santa Clara and spent about three years over there. And they had this great program where they had, you know, they would get social entrepreneurs from around the world and work with them to help them develop their business models, etc. Um, that's when I got more, I got more into uh, the area of, uh, area of social entrepreneurship. I, I think, I think um, social entrepreneurship offers a much greater potential than traditional entrepreneurship in helping us address some of the problems that we face, um, you know, acute, acute poverty, uh, Shortage of energy, you know these things. Um, yeah, so I, that's that's what that's what I think. I think uh, social entrepreneurship, uh, because it looks at the common good, it looks at uh, social outcomes. It's more concerned about uh, 
you know, but societal benefits more than just the firm. Mm-hmm. Now, I I saw that you had a publication um, called Social Entrepreneurship That Truly Benefits the Poor, an integrative justice approach. And there, you, you just like you said, you talked about the integrative justice model. And I was wondering if you can speak about how that relates to large multinational co- corporations and social entrepreneurs. Because right now we've just been talking about social entrepreneurs. But what about big corporations like GE or other, others like it? Yeah, so, so you know, so that uh, the whole, the whole, you know, in terms, of, in terms of the motivation for working on that ethical model was that big companies, they were really interested in working in low-income uh, places and with the base of the pyramid, you know, that it was important for them to have certain kind of ways in which they approach rather than just the traditional profit maximization approach, but really looking at um, addressing some of the issues over there. So, so basically the, the model, the integrative justice model has these five key elements. The first is an authentic engagement with uh, consumers, particularly those who are you know, impoverished. The second is co-creating value with them. Often we think that the poor, just because they don't have financial resources, don't have anything. Actually, they have a lot of skills, they have a lot of talents. How do you co-create value with them? The third one is looking at you know market creation, so investing in future consumption so that these people can be better participants in the marketplace. The fourth is uh, interest representation of all the stakeholders, particularly those who are impoverished. And the last key element is long-term profit management rather than short-term profit maximization. Now, there are some companies that are very good and exemplary in, you know, in a couple of these. So, for example, uh, Danone, which is the yogurt company, they, uh, they have you know, an approach where they kind of look at, so they have a collaboration with Grameen Bank, where they provide nutritionally fortified yogurt for children going to schools. You know, so that's addressing a that's addressing a, a problem of nutrition that children in low-income uh, places kind of face. Right now, and you mentioned GE, and uh, in fact, I just came back from Kenya, but GE was having and sponsoring with uh, Santa Clara's Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship. They were having a a, a workshop for. Uh, you know, it was focused on child and maternal health, and they had about 17 organizations, like social entrepreneurs, from seven countries in Africa that were attending that. So, so they also kind of like you know, getting involved with how they can support uh, social entrepreneurs. So I'm seeing that I'm seeing a lot of the, I'm seeing a lot of the linkages between even big companies and social entrepreneurs. Um, I've been I've been to a couple of conferences where there have been representatives from big companies over there, and I think one of the things that has come up is that you know this whole thing of which was there and part of traditional businesses where you just try to maximize your profits and try to gain a competitive advantage against everybody else is um, is misconceived because you cannot. You know, however good you are, you cannot operate in a place that's fragile, right? If we don't have any more clean air, right? You can be the best company, right? You're not going to you're not going to function very long, right? 
So, so I think companies more and more realizing that to for their very existence that they need to support uh, sustainable communities and a sustainable environment because that allows them to exist. If you do not have a sustainable community, if you do not have a sustainable environment, you know you cannot even even these big companies are not going to exist. Mm-hmm. So there's more and more. I see. I see a lot of that happening, and that's again for me. It's a positive uh, message. It's a message of hope. And we were talking about dreaming earlier. What is? What do you think is the big dream? What's the future for this? What do, what do you see happening with multinational corporations and social? One of the things. One of the things that gives me hope is we often think of. We often think of companies and especially big companies as this big mammoth kind of you know machine that 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 is there forgetting that actually it's made up of people like you and me right and that's what gives me hope that you know that you have you have people who are and can effect change uh, you know in the same way that you can have somebody who can be very exploitative can try to take advantage of people you have people who can be very very kind of aware that we are all human beings and relate to people as human beings you know, so that gives me that gives me hope that you know that uh, that uh, that even the biggest uh, organization is made up of people and uh, the very fact that you know as people we are children of god that we have uh, this inherent kind of you know god-given gifts um that, that, so that's 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 positive, you know. That I I do believe, and that's what Pope Francis says too. He you know his message is very hopeful. He, you know, he, in spite of in spite of all that is going on right now, we can have hope because um, there are signs of hope. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the big organizations that you're a part of is the Jesuits. Right. How do you how do you think the Jesuits help you? Or hinder you from your passion, from your effectiveness to help social entrepreneurs and to produce ethical theories and ideas. No, I, I, I don't think there's anything that hinders me. I think uh, the the Jesuit network is phenomenal, and when you look at all the educational institutions we have, and you look at uh, the many grassroots organizations that we are involved with—it's—it's it's, you know—it is something. It's—it's uh, it's huge, which is one of the reasons why even at Marquette, we've, although we are on a Shoka Change Maker campus, we've kind of aligned also more with uh, Santa Clara's Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship because they have something very concrete. They also build and you know help us build on the Jesuit network. Um, so we've so we've launched over here together with them. We've launched a program for early stage social entrepreneurs in Milwaukee, trying to help them um, kind of you know ideate their ideas and develop a prototype, launch their businesses, and at least start scaling. Uh, and then we've also just launched over the summer. Um, we launched a collaborative of the different Jesuit universities in. Um, in the Midwest, particularly, so in fact, we, we had just over a year we had um, representatives from 
University of Detroit Mercy, John Carroll, Xavier, Loyola Chicago, uh, St. Louis, Marquette, and uh, Creighton oh, was supposed to come, but the, the person who was, uh, who was supposed to come from Creighton was tied up with a TED talk, and so she couldn't come. But, uh, <laughs> but, but again, it's, it's again, you know, I think um, we have, with the Jesuits, we have this great network, and so even at, uh, at the international listing of business schools, we have been talking about how we can work more and more together to kind of effect change. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to affect change on a local level as well, not just in other places as well. That's right. That's, go on. Which is which is which is why uh, you know we launched the initiative over here and in in Milwaukee, and, and it's really you know Marquette is taking the lead on trying to develop a more locally focused uh, social benefit program. It's really looking at local social entrepreneurs more than internationally. Yeah, and, and speaking of international, you were born in India, mm -hmm. and you're here in the United States. How was, how was that change for you in your life coming from India to the United States? Yeah, there, you know, there are, there, there are lots of changes. Uh, for one, uh, in India, the, the social capital is very strong uh, compared to over here, you can get lost, and it's more, it's more of an individual culture. In that's what that's, I may be generalizing, but at least my experience was in in the U.S. It tends to be a little bit more, uh, you know, individual, and so then there's a tendency to get isolated and feel alone more easily over here than you would in a in a culture like India. Where there's, it's a collectivist culture. It's much, uh, much stronger social bonds. Mm -hmm. I I definitely agree with the individualistic aspect of American culture. Um, like when you walk down the street, no one, no one makes eye contact with you. <laughs> well, well, uh, no, I do. I I look at them and wish them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, though, with with all of that you've done. Uh, what is the most proud thing that you have accomplished? The most proud moment that you've had in your life? I think it's uh, more than you know, more than anything else. I think the opportunity of being a priest, and uh, you know, you realize uh, the way God works through you, even though you're totally unworthy, but. Really, that priestly ministry of uh, being available for others, and sometimes you, you know, you come across people who are really looking for some spiritual guidance and some help, and uh, are at a low moment in their lives, and you know, to experience to experience God working through you, I think for me is a very very powerful uh, experience. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. you and you mentioned earlier that you went to Kenya. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could talk about that um, some more. So you're looking at you know how how we can work together on some of these issues, but also you know and one of the reasons why we had it in Africa was because there are a couple of new proposed initiatives of of Jesuit universities in Africa, and so we got an idea to look at some of those things to hear them to also interact with the people in Africa, which is very powerful, and. Then, as I mentioned earlier, 
kind of also had the experience of going to Kibera, which is the biggest slum over there. Um, but yeah, so I mean, one of the things that the you know the the paper that I co-presented was on arguing for the socially innovative business school, and in that uh, presentation, basically what I was arguing for was that you know all our all our business schools around the world, all of them, in not too far away from where they are located, there are instances of poverty. Of you know, and so I was proposing the idea that you know we perhaps need to be socially innovative in our business schools and really look at how we can use our business schools, um, you know, to be itself kind of agents for change in the local community, to kind of intentionally address one or two issues in our local communities, but have it like you know. Right throughout in all the disciplines, so it, it, that was that was really the the idea that uh, you know that I was proposing and challenging some of the people over there to think about how our business schools could be socially innovative. And what uh, were the imagine, ideas? imagine imagine if you know, if you're talking about you know you know about a hundred business schools around the world that uh, commit. To intentionally addressing an issue in the local community, it's huge if, if you oh, aggregate yeah. it, right? But it's again yeah. each school doing a little small thing, but being very intentional and, fo and focused. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, so it's different from just kind of like you know just uh, having just these small courses or something like that. It's really the institution making a conscious decision to kind of uh, address a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, do you see yourself as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, the things that we are starting right now are, are relatively entrepreneurial. Yeah, so, that's what I was thinking. So even the the with with the Boost program that we just launched, uh, with the Midwest collaboration that we are hoping to uh, this thing, you know, for it to develop, I think there is uh, it's 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 entrepreneurial. We're looking at other things as well so mm -hmm. now your your work innately it seems there can be so much despair and in the midst of that despair there is so much hope what brings you hope and what makes you despair yeah the despair of course is you know the reality of and the presence of a lot of evil things that are going on in the world and also things that are that we've contributed to in terms of even the existence of poverty, of uh, environmental degradation, etc. But what gives me hope is that uh, I, I still believe the spirit is active. I still believe that, you know, that God is active in the world and that he works through you and me, and, you know, and, and people who want to be open to allowing the spirit to be at work in the world. So that gives me hope because uh, often we, you know, we even in, in a lot of the negative things that happen, the story that's often told is the story of evil. But which newspaper covers like the many people that help in those situations? Uh, so, you know, so, so we don't hear that story and, and, and it's there. 
you know the amount of the amount of people who reach out to help one another the amount of people who uh, risk their lives uh, for the other these are there these you know this the, these stories exist uh, these stories are reality we just don't hear about them and so that gives me hope you know i i still as i think about these things i think i think you know that that god is very much at work uh, active in the world uh, and um, I mean, each one of us is challenged to be more and more God's presence. Mm-hmm. And I like I like what you said that about about God's presence, and it and it brings me back to to this quote that to live with Jesus is to live with the poor. To live with the poor is to live with Jesus. And really going back to social entrepreneurship and enacting change there. And going to Kenya and going to the poor, and I think that's so important um, because then you really are facing God. You really are seeing God in these people and in relation to yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, just to wrap to wrap this up, um, I I know you have been given advice so many times. You've been given wisdom so many times, and I want to give you the chance to give back, to give that wisdom. So, I I am just wondering, what was the most important piece of advice or wisdom that you have ever received? Well, my 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 uncle used to like sing that song, "Do what you do, do well, boy." <laughs> <laughs> I think that was you know. In in a sense, whatever you do, do well. Uh, you know, uh, give it give it all of your all of your heart mm-hmm. and, I can, and all I can of your love. And uh, and I think that was that was good advice. Yeah, I like I said, I can I can see that in you. And I mean, I took your class <laughs> um, and doing this. And you survived. Nice, <laughs> I survived. Yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely think that that is good. Do what you do what you do and do it well. Really putting your whole heart into it. Right. That was that was good advice I got from my from my uncle who was also a priest. Oh, okay. So it runs yeah. in the family. <laughs> it does. I, I have two of my uncles who are priests and one aunt who was a nun. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for sitting down with me, Father Nikki. I really appreciate Pleasure, it. Pleasure as always. Now, if if anyone wants to contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? Email. Email, which mm-hmm. is nicholas.santos at marquette.edu Sweet. I will put that in the description. And is there any parting words that you would like to say? Any thoughts in your mind? Yeah. Never never uh, give up hope. Um, always treat other people as people. And I think the world will be a better place. Great. Thank you, Father. All right. You're welcome. After his PhD, Father Nicky spent three years at Santa Clara University in California as a visiting scholar and postdoctoral fellow at the Magala Center for Applied Ethics. Additionally, he was involved with the Center for Science, Technology, and Society, serving as a reviewer of the Global Social Benefit Fellowship in 2012. He has academic degrees in business, philosophy, and theology, and practical experience in for-profit and non-profit organizations. Simply Radical is made with extra love by me, Zach Worsham, and I am so grateful for you lending me your listening ear, and I hope you gain some wisdom. And as a reminder, don't forget to smile today.